Good morning, Lifeway Church. Are you ready to have fun? I believe church should be fun. Now, listen, we can be in the presence of God and still have fun. Imagine that. I believe heaven's going to be a fun place, an exciting place, and a place where uh, we're, we're really not going to know what's going to happen next. That shocks some of you. Some of you are like, what's God going to do? That's a good question. What is he going to do this morning in you? What is he doing this morning in you? We know that when we come into his presence, he, he speaks. And so we hear. We have ears to hear this morning. That's why we pray. I'm going to kind of tell you why we do what we do. I had to bring the, the podium out here because we have a screen here. And I don't want the podium to be in the way while the video's running. And so, you know, a lot of things that we just take for granted that... Um, we do in church, that we need to be aware that this, you know, there's, there's nothing holy about the way we do things. I know that may shock you. We have a camera in here that is broadcasting out to the internet. Hello, those that are watching on the internet. Um, that didn't happen 20 years ago. Listen, guys, we get used to these things, but we don't realize that God is speeding forth his word. He wants to get the word out that, number one, he loves people. Number two, that Jesus came to be a friend to sinners. That is our uh, series of messages. We're on the third week this week. If you want to go to lifeway.church forward slash 10 dash 21 dash 18. It's right here on the screen. Today's message is wearing kindness. Wearing kindness. If you'll turn with me over to Colossians chapter 3 in your Bible. If you don't have a physical Bible, you've got a digital one right there on your phone. That's another awesome thing that God has done provided free Bibles to everybody who has a cell phone, a smartphone. Or a semi-smartphone. Right? It's free for the download. You've got it all the time at your fingertips. Don't take it for granted. Tune in. Colossians chapter 3. We're going to pray and then we're going to dive into God's Word. More than anything else, my desire for you this morning is that you hear what He has to say to your life. So that you are changed by the power of of his word. Amen. Father, thank you that we have another opportunity to, to come before your word and see something fresh and new. We ask you to speak, Lord, to us. Like Samuel, when he heard your voice and didn't quite recognize it, Eli taught him how to hear your voice and say, Lord, I'm your servant. Here, speak to me because I'm listening to you. And then Jesus said in, in the New Testament, when he was on this earth, he said that he's the shepherd and we're your sheep and your sheep hear your voice. And so this morning we tune our ears in to your voice and we pay attention. We're, we're sitting up on the edge of our seat on the inside, needing to hear a word from you. So thank you for helping us. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so the first week we started this series, it was about, about a man named Zacchaeus, a little short guy who was a criminal, 
climbed up in a tree because he wanted to see Jesus. And we said, you know, we believe that, that, that people want to see Jesus, they want to meet Jesus, but they want to know Jesus, right? And, and I believe, I still believe that every person that God created wants to know Jesus. Do you believe that? That is the commission that God has given us to tell people about Jesus. Not just tell with words, but with our actions, with our lives. Our lives are a living testimony. The transformed life is proof that Jesus is alive. How transformed is your life? The second week we, we talked about, that was last week, we talked about the rich young ruler. He was a religious man. He thought he was way up in the upper echelon of religious uh, kingdom. And, and Jesus spoke to him and loved him. That was one verse that kind of stood out to us, that Jesus listened to him and loved him. Even though this man was filled with pride and arrogance, Jesus loved him and gave him a chance to become a friend of Jesus. Jesus will never turn anybody away. And that should be one of our mottos. I will never turn anybody away. And so today we're going to look at the Samaritan woman. But I want us to look at this word called kindness and see how powerful it is. Colossians 3, 12 and 13. The Bible says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. All of, listen, all of these attributes in the world, they are thought of as weak. They're thought of as lame or weak. But in the kingdom of God, kindness is powerful. This word kindness means the quality of being warm-hearted, considerate, humane, gentle, and sympathetic. But there's great, there's great power in kindness. Kindness is when you're able to take the time to listen to someone with your heart so that you can put yourself in their shoes. To be kind. When someone says that another person is kind, that's a high compliment. Kindness has a power that opens the heart. Kindness is what Jesus operated in in John chapter 4, if you'll turn there, John chapter 4, he met a woman from Samaria because Jesus happened to be in Samaria. So there was a woman from Samaria that came out to the well. And we're going to go over that encounter that Jesus had with this woman. We're going to see the kindness of the Lord and what it does. The kindness of the Lord and what it does. The first thing that I believe that the kindness of the Lord does is overcome prejudice. And that word prejudice is huge right now. The concept of prejudice, of racism, of hatred between 
tribes and nations and cultures and races, the, this hatred. We can see it here in this, this account. And I, I want to mention some things about how kindness overcomes prejudice. Look in John chapter 4, verse 1. John 4, 1. We start out this account in John 4. Therefore, when, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. Verse 4, but he needed to go through Samaria. So the King James Version specifically said that Jesus needed to go through Samaria. I find that interesting. He needed to go through Samaria. As if he couldn't get to Jerusalem any other way but going through Samaria. Jesus could go any way he wanted to go. But he needed to go to Samaria. Sometimes we're guilty of thinking that Jesus knew everything all the time. And that's not the case. Even though he was the son of God, he walked on the earth in a human body. The Bible says in, uh, in, in the New Testament that he stripped himself of his divinity. He laid aside the the divinity that he had in heaven and he came to earth as a baby and he had to learn in fact in luke chapter 2 and verse 52 it's the bible says that jesus grew in wisdom so if he grew in wisdom he wasn't wise when he was a little baby would you agree he had to grow so therefore he did not know everything that was going to happen all the time can you agree with that and so at this time, he was going to Jerusalem, but he had to go to Samaria. The Bible says that he needed to go. And so there's some times where we need to do something. We're, we're not sure why we need to do it, but it's a hunch that we just have. It, it, it's an inward witness in our heart that we need to do something. This is where Jesus was at that moment. He knew that he needed to go to Samaria, and he had a hunch and a leading to go. But listen, we don't always know what one small step is going, going to lead to. We don't see the impact of one step led by one hunch. But listen, we don't have to know the reason why we're following the Lord. Do remember this, that everything that we do is for a bigger purpose. Let me give you a little bit of background about Samaria. Samaria was a place of trouble. It had a really deep history of trouble. And we could do a couple of sermons just on Samaria, but I'm going to kind of summarize it. Um, the history of Samaria, Abraham was... Uh, in Shechem. Shechem happened to be in Samaria when the Lord spoke to him and said, I'm giving you all this land. And so 150 years later, Jacob, Abraham's grandson, was there in Shechem. And uh, this place that was called Samaria was 
uh, where it was recorded the first sexual assault and mass murder happened. In Genesis chapter 34, if you want to write that down, Genesis 34, Jacob's daughter Dinah was raped there in Samaria. And her blood brothers, Simeon and Levi, tricked a man named Shechem. Shechem was the one that raped Dinah. But uh, Shechem loved Dinah and wanted her as his wife. But the brothers became angry at Shechem because that, that you know, just was totally against the law. It was, it was not right to take her and sexually assault her. So Simeon and, and Levi tricked Shechem to having all of the men in his tribe and his city to be circumcised so that they could join forces with Israel. All right? And so when all of the men had taken the oath, become circumcised, and they were all in pain, Simeon and Levi stormed the city of Samaria and killed all the men by the sword. And so there was a great mass murder there. That's why this city, Samaria, is associated with trouble from, from its origins. It was associated with trouble. In 1 Kings chapter 12, when Israel was divided into the north and the south kingdoms with two different kings, Rehoboam, right? The south, he was the king of the south kingdom, Judah. And Jeroboam, the king of the north tribe, the, the ten tribes of the north. Uh, Israel fell to the Assyrians and began to intermarry with them, which was against the law, God's law. And so there was trouble there, trouble. And the Sumerians, even up to the time of Jesus, were thought of as half-breeds. That's why the Jews called them dogs. I mean, so I'm just laying the, the, the background for this prejudice. Remember, guys, prejudice didn't just start in America, and it's not just a black and white thing. There's been racial prejudice and racial wars since time began. Why? Because of sin. Sin causes division. Sin causes division. That's something good to write in your notes right there. And then, I mean, you see uh, this problem with Samaria and how it got its name, uh, trouble in Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 2. The, the Samaritans were opposing the Jews rebuilding the walls, Jerusalem. When Nehemiah was there. So there's always been race wars, but I want us to remember that race wars are a result of sin. Race wars are a result of sin. So there's another scripture in Luke chapter 9 and verse 51 that talks about how the Samaritans did not like Jesus and rejected Jesus. And it reads like this, Luke 9, 51. As the time approached for Jesus to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into, into, into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was headed for Jerusalem. So he wasn't welcomed in Samaria or liked in Samaria. You need to remember that because... Here's Jesus purposing, purposing 
to overcome prejudice. He's going into a city that he knows that doesn't like him. This is how much Jesus loves people. He knows that this whole city is against him. This whole area that he's going into is against him. But he goes anyway. He needed to go through Samaria. He understood the hatred between the Samaritans and the Jews. In fact, when the enemies of Jesus wanted to insult him, do you know what they called him? It's in John 8, 48. The Jews answered him, and they said this, Aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan who's demon-possessed? So the, his, his own, the Bible says, the Jewish people, his own, received him not. They didn't want anything to do with him. In fact, they called him a Samaritan and a demon-possessed Samaritan. So there was some heavy, heavy prejudice against Jesus. And it was attached to this place of trouble called Samaria. But Jesus went there anyway. He wanted to overcome the prejudice by the kindness and the goodness and the love of God that flowed through him. And not only did he go into a place that was associated with trouble, but he found a person that was associated with trouble, this Samaritan woman. And so his kindness overcomes her prejudice. His kindness overcomes her prejudice. You know, people think wrong things about you. There's, there's prejudice in our country against Christians. You, you may have encountered that. But on the other side of that, there have been prejudice in the body of Christ against people who are unbelievers. And there's this prejudice. And you know what about prejudice is, is we think we can tell who a person is by how they look, by the color of their skin, by where they come in uh, of or go out of a certain place. We believe that we know them by their outward appearance. And this leads to prejudice. And so we all deal with this, but we see Jesus addressing this subject of prejudice. It's a huge point, and it's a, it's a huge topic in our nation today. How do we overcome this? By the love of God and the kindness that we see in this account that Jesus deals with the Samaritan woman. You know, you have to remember that when you talk to people, you're not talking just to them, but you're talking to them through a filter of their hurt, their past, their experiences. And so some of the hurt that you encounter when you think people are prejudiced against you is just because they're hurting on the inside. I'm going to kind of jump ahead in this this account and... um, make this point that when Jesus was talking to the the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well, people were watching. In fact, later in in verse 27 of John chapter 4, his disciples were amazed that he was talking to this woman. They were amazed that he was talking. 
it says that they were surprised to find him talking to her. These are guys that he hand-selected and that he allowed to come for three years close to him. They were close to him, but they were still surprised that he would talk to this woman that was untouchable, that was, a, in their minds, a dog, right? So we see how important it is that Jesus connected to people more than worry about what people were going to say about him. <laughs> he was more concerned in connecting with people, stepping over the lines that people have drawn. We've got to be willing to step over the lines that society has drawn around people. So this, this issue of prejudice is huge. People judging each other by the color of their skin, by the country that they were born in, by the language that they speak or don't speak. And I'll just bring it kind of close, but I've heard American English-speaking people say something like, well, why are they even here in this country? They can't even speak our language. Wow, how prejudiced. Because I lived in a country one time that I didn't really speak their language. For a, for a long time. And I love the people and I, I love the country and I wanted to be there. I wasn't being sentenced to that country. I lived in Italy. Didn't, I, I barely understood the language. So when somebody says that, well, why are they even here in our country when they can't speak our language? You don't know what you don't know. We're responsible for our prejudice. What we should do is look inside and, and ask ourselves, why are we saying or why are we thinking what we're thinking? We need to see that Jesus was more intent on connecting with people, more intent on stepping over the lines that society had drawn. And listen, the truth is we cannot overcome prejudice without the love of God. And we can't extend the love of God without Jesus first changing our hearts. That's why the world, even though they know that it's a good thing to get over their prejudice, getting over prejudice, overcoming prejudice requires the kindness and the love of God working in your life. So the second thing that the kindness of God does is overcome offense. Overcome offense. I want to I read here in John chapter 4 some of this account. Beginning in verse 4. Now, he had, uh, had to go through Samaria, and he came to the town of Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of the ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Joseph's well was there, and Jesus Tired as he was from the journey, he sat down by the well, and it was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone in the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? 
And then in parentheses, it says, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So that was the first jab from the woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Don't you see that I'm a woman? Really, she shouldn't have been there at that time. At the well. She shouldn't have been there. But he knew. This is very interesting about this account. He knew who she was or where she was from. I mean, it's, it's like today. You can identify each other by what you're wearing. And in this case, maybe she was wearing something provocative. We, we, don't, we don't know. It doesn't say that. We, we do know that she had five husbands before the, one, the man that she was living with. We do know that this woman was quick on the draw with a retort and a jab. So kindness overcomes offense. She was offending him with her words, jabbing him. Verse 10, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, she, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? There's almost sarcasm in her tone. A lot of times we read passages from the Bible and we read them kind of monotone. You know, let me try to read it monotone. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living? No, no, no. This was the second jab. Where can you get this living water? She was a hurt woman. Probably broken and been abused. So he didn't take offense at these two verbal jabs that she's giving him. What? You're, you're a Jew. Why are you talking to me? I'm a Samaritan woman. And then... You don't have anything to get any water. Where, where are you going to get this living water that you're talking about? Here he is in a place that he's not welcome, speaking to a woman that he wasn't supposed to speak to. She wasn't supposed to speak to him. So he is destroying every societal norm in this moment, crossing over every line, being kind to this woman And she's jabbing him. But notice this, that Jesus never got into an argument with her the whole time that she was jabbing him with her words. So we do know from what Jesus says here in, in, in just a little bit that, that she was married five times and that the guy that she's living with is, is not her husband, but she's living with him. And so we know one thing about her, that she knows how to fight. Because <laughs> five marriages didn't work out, there's something wrong. Right? I'm not saying it was all her fault, but she was, began to fight with Jesus with her words. 
So she was probably at this point burned out on marriage, as a lot of people get, and they just shack up and live with one another. Because, well, we'll see if this works out. And if it doesn't, we haven't invested anything into it, so we'll just go our separate ways. And the mentality is, I don't want to commit. We'll just try it and have a sample here. I believe that she was ready to be offended because there was such hurt inside of her. And the more broken and abused people are, the quicker they strike with an offensive statement. Have you ever reached out to someone with, with kindness and been struck back with offense and anger? Guys, the days that we're living in are hostile. And we need to remember that, that flesh doesn't win a battle with flesh. Flesh does not win when it goes up against flesh. Hurt people hurt people and are easily hurt by people. And so when, whenever you're in a situation where somebody says something to you that's hurtful, you need to, number one, ask yourself the question, why does that hurt me? Why am I offended by that? Look, look on the inside. You know, because the Bible tells us that love is not touchy. Love is not touchy. And if someone hurts you, it could mean, could mean that you're touchy. And there's something inside that needs to be healed. Listen, we've all been there. Jesus loves us, and he is the one that heals us. We have to be willing. The third thing that, that Jesus overcomes through this kind encounter with this woman is her sinfulness. Look in verse 13. John 4, 13, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks the water that I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw the water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you're right when you say that you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have, what you have just said is quite true. Now, Jesus could not have said what he said and been true without the help of the Holy Spirit. And we know that at that point in time... Jesus had a direct download from heaven to give him information, inside information into her life. But it wasn't to impress her, it was to open her heart. As Jesus talked with this woman and as he was kind with her, even though she was hurt and jabbing him with her words, Jesus loved her the same. And when he said this about her life, and really called her out. In this moment, he called her out. She did not get angry and run away. 
which shows us that she was captured by his love. She was captured, she was attracted by the kindness of the Lord. This is an amazing account of how the Lord captures us by his goodness and his kindness. And he can speak things that are true and deep in our lives in order to bring healing. And our heart should stay open. We, we shouldn't reject. We, sh- we shouldn't get angry and accuse him of being hard. Notice she, she didn't accuse Jesus. She, she knew what he was saying was true. His kindness overcame her sinfulness. He saw past her past and drew her into her her future with his love. That's awesome. To see Jesus operating in this manner, opening the heart of this woman, drawing her in with his kindness. You know, I've heard Christians judge other Christian leaders for posting a picture on social media where these Christian leaders are are with a known celebrity or atheist or someone that has a bad reputation. And it's almost that, that this person is getting offended that this Christian leader is with a sinner. Wow. Think about Jesus in this moment. I mean, his, his team came back, saw him speaking to this woman. They were surprised. They didn't expect it. They didn't like it. I'm going to kind of jump a little bit ahead and say something that probably will shock you. What if I was speaking to a young lady or another pastor that you know in this city or another Christian leader somewhere was speaking to a young lady outside of Kroger and you didn't know what was being said, but you assumed and became offended and judged. Listen, guys, we, we're going to have to learn how to love people that, that don't look like us, that don't act like us, that don't talk like us. They need a friend. They need someone to love them in spite of what they've done, in spite of what they're doing in the moment, and extend some kindness, not judgment, but kindness. The more I see this and how Jesus cared for this woman, the more it it just amazes me how much God loves people. You know, we've got to learn to love and care about people that we don't agree with. If this country is ever going to make progress forward in the area of love, it's going to have to come through the body of Christ. It's not up, the, up to the world to teach the world how to love. 
You can write this down. Care is felt and seen. Care is felt and seen. You know, I asked a question where we were teaching a discipleship class a few weeks ago, and we were talking about how to connect with people. We're, right now, we're talking about just friendship evangelism, how to, how to be a friend to someone and love them and not try to pressure them to make a decision to follow Jesus, just loving people. And so I asked the question, why don't people ask you about why you believe in Jesus? Has that ever crossed your mind, why people don't come to you and say, I know that you believe in Jesus, but tell me why you believe in Jesus, because I want to know. It's a good question, isn't it? I believe that people don't ask us more about our own life because they see that we really don't care about their life. When I meet people from another country, this, this is just me personally. I'm just going to kind of be transparent here. When I meet people from another country, maybe, maybe they uh, are Buddhist. Maybe they're from another country and they practice another religion. And I understand that and I see that. I begin to ask them questions about where they came from. You can always open up the heart of somebody, but just tell me your story. Tell me how you got here. Share a little bit with me about what, what you like about your country. When you, when you ask people that are here in the States that are from another country, you ask them about their home country. How many, how many guys are in the room right now that were born in another country? Raise your hand. Up high. Really be, be glad about it. Okay. Doesn't it open your heart and eyes when people want to know where you came from? Yes, absolutely. It shows that you care about people. And I believe Jesus had this. It wasn't a formula that he was trying to follow. It just flowed out of him. For him to go into Samaria, for him to talk to this woman, for him to overcome, overcome this, her sinfulness with his kindness and his love. It's a posture. It's a posture that we bring to an experience with someone. If we lean into them, then they understand that we're engaged. People can tell when you're paying attention to what they're saying, or you're just on your phone and you ask them a question and you're not even paying attention to where they are. Right? I believe Jesus was fully engaged. He was engaged in this instance because we see the fruit of it. We see the outcome. You know, I realize that we've been guilty and I've been guilty of time, at times of treating people like they were diseased or outcast, that they had leprosy, that we didn't want what was on them to get off on us. But we've got to change that. We've got to see people like Jesus sees people and love people like he loves people. And listen, you're not being a hypocrite by loving and caring about people that you don't agree with. So the point to this encounter is that the kindness and the goodness of the love of God has the power to change lives. Here's a broken woman 
that has a reputation and she's prejudiced and has an attitude and she encounters Jesus. And Jesus chooses to love her with an extreme kindness to the point that it changes her life and impacts the whole city as they believe on Jesus. Look at John 4.39. Samaria is waiting on us. John 4.39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with him, with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you've said. Now we've heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. So not only Jesus' words and his actions toward her changed her heart, immediately she went back into the city, began to tell everybody that you've got to meet this man that knows everything about me. You've got to meet him. So everyone in the town who knew her and her reputation had to see this man that changed her life. They all came looking for Jesus. And there was such a connection between Jesus and this city of Samaria that they asked him to stay, and he stayed for two days. And many more, the Bible says, many more people became believers in Jesus just because Jesus knew in his heart he needed to go to Samaria. I believe Samaria is waiting on us. Where's your Samaria? Where's your Samaria? Who do you need to love with the kindness of the Lord? That love, that kindness that doesn't judge, it's not prejudice, overcomes that prejudice, overcomes, overcomes that offense. Because people will offend you. Why do people offend you? Because they're hurt, they're broken. Choose to love. Choose to love people in spite of their mistakes that they're, they, they've made in their life. Be a friend to sinners. Jesus is a friend. Jesus is a friend to you. He's a friend to sinners. He's a friend. He, he needs us to go through Samaria because there's someone in Samaria that's waiting on you. Amen. You know, be bold about your faith, but don't be arrogant. Don't be prideful. Don't be boastful. Don't look down your nose because someone doesn't know what you know. How could they know what you know if you haven't shared what you do know with them? We assume too much. We need to remember where we came from. I think Paul remembered that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10, he says, I am what I am only by the grace of God. I put only in there, but he says, I am what I am by the grace of God and only by the grace of God. There was a man that lived in, 
He was born in 1510, John Bradford. You can study his life. He was, he's listed in the Fox's Book of Martyrs. But he saw evil people that were being set on fire. When he was 40 years old, he, he coined this statement, and it is, it's a phrase that people have used. Very few people know where it came from, but John Bradford. The phrase is, but for the grace of God, there go I. There, there but for the grace of God go I. In other words, if it wasn't for the grace of God, I would be there too. Right? Paul said it like this, I am what I am by the grace of God. Thank God that he loves us. Thank God that Jesus came to be a friend to us. Aren't you glad? Let's bow our head and I'm going to ask those who've never made a confession or never made a decision to follow Jesus is, to, is today the day that you become a friend of Jesus Jesus came to be a, a friend to everyone he excluded no one we've been singing about it and talking about it all day long the mercy of the Lord is greater than any sin anything, anything we've ever done or anything we've ever committed his mercy is greater. His grace is greater. His love is, is more powerful. And he wants you to begin to follow him. All it takes is a decision in your heart.